Okay, good morning. Welcome backwards, everyone, to Bodhi Speak. I'm sitting here with my good friend, Miko Heikenpoka. 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 He just told me the pronunciation. I messed it up already. My apologies. <laughs> no problem. It's a, it, it's a problem when you don't have a name that, you know, is, is English. Yeah. So Miko is from uh, Finland. And just some... I'm going to read uh, Miko's bio here, and then I'm just going to share how we know each other. So... Uh, Miko's bio on his website, uh, Miko is a ritual musician, vocalist, multi-instrumentalist, and music producer from Finland, integrating rich vocal expression, live looping, grounded rhythms, and deep, heartfelt bass frequencies. Ritual and ceremony blend together with technology, broadening his expression. Supported by strong Nordic and Siberian roots, embracing the planet and its tribes, he reaches for to create an experience that aims to offer the possibility of a gateway into an altered state of being. Drawing on inspiration from nature, as well as our ever-growing symbiosis with technology, powerful rhythms, soundscapes, and soul-shaking dance intertwine to create a trance-inducing journey that will not be forgotten. So, quick backdrop on how I know Miko. Uh, I first came across Miko through learning about Tuvan throat singing, and I found a video of uh, of you jumping into a f you took a pickaxe, I think, and you broke open a frozen lake, then jumped into a ice cold lake in Finland, and then you were singing Hume in Kargara, and I was like, whoa, that guy, that guy's got it down. That's how you had lessons available, so I was like, oh, I'm gonna take some lessons with Miko. So Miko actually, really, in a lot of ways, is one of the people responsible for teaching me how to throat sing in a lot of ways, and really refined it, and. Not only is Miko like an epic throat singer, he's won a, uh, a competition in Tuva for throat singing, I believe, combining with technology, right? Kind of like the modern adaptation of throat singing, right? Yeah, I came in third place. Like third there place. was this festival, <clears throat> I think it was 2015 or 16, maybe, when I was in Tuva and there was this uh, competition. Like Tuvans are really, they, 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 they like to compete in like who's got it down, who's got the Hermé Hermé down the best, who's the loudest, who's the most traditional, who's the best in a single style and whatnot. Right. So like there was this one category which was modern interpretation and I brought my live looping stuff and yeah, I, I came in third place. Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. That's awesome just to think about like the coming and going to like the country of origin and then like competing and then doing it very well in the competition. That's amazing. And your music has since like it's gone to from what I've seen like a pretty high level. Like you have a song that you collaborated with Suhan with. That is awesome. I love that song. Like honestly, I listen to that song quite often when I go running. What What is the title of it again? One more time. Onni Manni. Exactly. Yeah, that w it's epic. I highly recommend. The first time I heard it, it just totally blew my mind. Highly recommend people check that out. And yeah, your music has been like huge inspiration for me. Like I love, I love the the combination of like this ancient futuristic emergence of sounds that come together. It's it's totally badass and amazing. And the the bio of saying how it brings you into a gateway of an altered state of being, like it definitely does that. Like it. So you're one of my favorite artists out there just to let people know that and like you know i can imagine people bring people on their podcasts and they probably hype them up in some level but like in in all sincerity like you've remained one of my favorite artists that i've heard and 
yeah, I, you actually came out here to New York. I had you come out for a festival that we did, a really small festival called Tribal Rhythms with Ditch Project a couple years back, and you blew everyone away there too. So since then, you've performed like at Boom Festival and uh, a bunch of other European uh, major trance festivals and things like that, yeah? Um, yeah? I mean, mainly when it comes to European festivals, I think Boom has been like the the... The, the most major there is still a couple of major festivals <laughs> that uh, they ha that I haven't done cool cool and then I so the first thing I kind of wanted to jump in with you about was was since it's how we first connected with throat singing uh, so what kind of first got you into throat singing and like how did you learn how to do it because you you're still one of the you're, you're able to do certain things that I still can't do. Like, for instance, I know you could do a scale with Sigut, like, very, very well that I'm still trying to understand how to do. And just curious if you can talk about, like, your, your background coming into throat singing. How did you learn how to do it and your connection with it? Yeah. Uh, my my mom uh, is a singer, and she's been, like, uh, <clears throat> into Finnish folk singing, and not just Finnish, but, like, uh, Slavic and all this sort of stuff. Uh, she's been in a choir that has been uh, learning all these uh, Slavic, uh, Slavic, Baltic, uh, uh, Finnish folk songs, and uh, she's been always interested in music and 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 so and and she uh, took a part on a, on a Mongolian throat singing workshop. There was a, I think it was. Uh, Trans Mongolia, so Hozoi, Hozo, Hozo, yeah, I think his name is Hozo. Uh -huh. uh, he was in <clears throat> he was in Finland, and my mom was there, and uh, she bought their album, and then I found the album, and I popped it in, uh, and was listening to it, and I remember I was like the opening song. It's the it's the it's the CD. I think Memories of or or from my homeland uh, by trans mongolia and the the opening track is just epic <laughs> and uh, uh it just blew me away and and it was it was it was music like i hadn't experienced music in in this way before like i've i've i was already kind of interested in like sounds I was there is this uh, legendary Finnish uh, band called Kingston Wall, and they were this kind of trying to kind of recreate uh, Jimi Hendrix style of uh, improvisation and you know just going wild with uh, effects and and sounds and and this kind of transcendental transcendental uh, jamming and and me and my friends uh, I was playing uh, lead guitar in a band back then. And we were trying to recreate that, and I was already kind of into this uh, transcendental jamming kind of, and uh, uh, and then I heard I, I was still kind of, I, I was already kind of phasing a little out of this rock and roll stuff, and then I encountered like Mongolian throat singing, and and I was blown away, and then I started to imitate it. I was driving in a car. And uh, listening to this really cool album, and uh, I was starting to imitate the, so uh, the 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 sounds, and I actually found that I was able to mimic them uh, quite intuitively. 
So mm. I, I kind of found the basics of overtone singing, uh, not Sigit yet, but like just the basics of overtone singing and mm. some b- very like rudimentary kargira uh, just from listening to that album. But there was like a long time I I was really prideful back then or like uh i i i i i lacked uh respect for authority and 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 hadn't found found any teachers who i'd like uh respect and and things like that like i uh and and i i had this crazy idea that yeah i'm just gonna learn this by myself i'm not gonna even watch videos on youtube or anything i'm just gonna listen to the album and just gonna learn it but i was not really getting anywhere I had some rudimentary kargira and overtones, but like I, 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 I didn't really evolve. So then, but I, I, I felt that this is something that I could do, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm crazy enough to be able to do this. So maybe I should seek out like a teacher. So then I found this, uh, this, this, this Finnish man called Sauli Heikkila, who is like uh, the pioneers of uh, bringing awareness of of tuvan throat singing to finland so it's it's kind of funny like i my way into tuvan throat singing was mongolian throat singing right like i i had i didn't have an idea about tuvan throat singing my my only access point to throat singing was this one mongolian album i didn't even seek out any other albums i just had this one album that i was listening to and so uh with Mongolian throat singing, like, and maybe I have the information wrong, so this is a good moment I can humble myself and ask you this. Mongolian throat singing is mostly just kargara, yeah. They don't, they don't, do they not, do they go into hume and sigut and ortakir and? Yeah, that's not true at all. It's okay. uh, yeah, they they just have a they just have a different style. Like they do okay. similar techniques. They do they call it humi, hmm. and they spell it a little different and. Uh, it's very similar to a layman, but uh, but then when you actually kind of pay attention to the details or to the nuances, they are quite different. Like uh, Mongolians sing very high, they sing very high. They do sigit, they do sigit very high. They have a they have a little bit different technique with the tongue. When in in Tuvan in in Tuvan sigit, you kind of this is going to be a little nerdy for those who don't know how to do Sigit, uh-huh. but like, uh, just b- bear with me. Uh, with Sigit, in Tuvan, in, tu- in Tuvan Sigit, you kind of lean with your tongue. You lean a little bit to your right or to your left, whichever is right, more comfortable right. to you. But if I understood correctly, like the, the Mongolians don't lean so much. They kind of have the both sides a little open. And they go really high with the key. Before we even get too much more into throwing these terms around, <laughs> would you? Because I'm sure some people have no idea what the heck we're talking about. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but but this is a great opportunity for people to hear it because because you're quite good at these styles. Uh, can you demonstrate the the gohoretir hume sigat kagara and just so people can get a sense of what that sounds like? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Let me do a. <coughs> so first I'm going to do a little bit of uh hume. Mm-hmm. <coughs>
Maybe I should put the original sound on. Or is it is it is it is this the sound quality now better or is it now better? Try it again. Is this good? That sounds uh, good. I mean, it sounded good when you were going. I, I, I was I was feeling it. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, some this. Yeah. Yeah. This zoom is a is a is a little is a little confusing sometimes. <clears throat> okay. Let's try again. <clears throat> so, Herme. <sighs> Yeah, there's a little bit of Herme uh -huh. and uh, then <clears throat> a little bit of Sigit. Sigit mm. and then uh, Kargira. <clears throat> there's like a bunch of substyles and like even yeah. kargira like has a has the mountain kargira uh dak dak kargira <clears throat> this kind of open soft you can almost see the mountain range <laughs> and then there is the much more uh tight step step kargira let me see if I can pull it off. It's sometimes <clears throat> a little uh, not so easy to do uh -huh. uh, with uh, voice not warmed up. <clears throat> <clears throat> crispy but you know, <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> excellent excellent so I, I quick question I, i'm wondering like if uh do you know like what happens to have there ever been any studies done like the on like the neurology or like the physiology of what happens to someone when they're activating cargo i was i was sharing cargo with somebody and uh, he was telling me it feels like it activates the, the vagus nerve, which I I mean, for me, that, like on some level, that's kind of like just like a random talking point that people make. But I don't know. Have you ever heard about anything of what like traditionally they say that it does to you or anything like along those lines, scientifically even? Uh, well, I mean, there has been 
couple of studies where they where they shove a camera in people's throat uh-huh. to kind of show what's happening, like uh, what hap- what's happening with the with the vocal folds or the larynx or the yeah yeah yeah. There's there's some, I mean, of course there is like you, there's limitations uh, right. to that. Uh, when it comes to the to the vagus nerve, like for sure, because you know vagus nerve has to do like it's responsible of your larynx, like the movement of yeah. your of of your of your voice or like the in the, yeah it, it has the movement of your larynx. So for sure, it's being stimulated. Uh, by singing, by humming, by any anything to do with voice, like right. so, it's it's bound to be stimulated for sure. But especially when when you're doing when you're doing throat singing, which is actually like throat singing as a tangent is a is a little problematic term, right? <laughs> uh, because uh, Tuvans don't call it throat singing, Mongolians don't call it throat singing. It's a Russian term. Uh, mm. How is it, Garlava Penye or something like this? It was brought up. It was conjured up by uh, by uh, Russian scientists when they encountered Tuvans. But Tuvans don't have like they don't refer they don't refer to throat uh, when they when yeah. they do it. They might refer to your chest, right? Uh, but Hume is Hume, Kargera is Kargera, Sigit is Sigit. Hmm. And they call everything, they have this all-encompassing term, like they use like an umbrella term, Hume, for each of the three major ma- main styles or, or, or techniques. Uh, but also they refer with Hume to this very specific technique that I, I demonstrated. Hmm. And so when did, when did you really like feel that you were at, a strong level with it was it before you went to tuva or was it by going to tuva that you really got to this place that you're at now where you're really like you have not just like the intellectual knowledge but you can really i mean listening to you do the sagut i mean i i've been able to see fortune of alash ensemble a few times we actually brought alash ensemble here mm. um to the same festival we brought you the next year or two years after i think and like you i mean if you put a track of alash ensemble and then you right there i wouldn't probably know the difference so you're, I mean, it's like it's pretty spot on. Like, what, how, what kind of got you to that place? Was it going there and, and being around them, or? Yeah, that had a, that was a major thing. Like, uh, I, I saw uh, uh, when I was in, I was in Finland. Like, I found this uh, Sauli Heikila who gave me my first lessons, but then uh, this uh, you probably know him at least by name, like Imre Pemot, who Sounds is familiar? Imre Pemot. He's like one of the. I don't know any Westerner who is like uh, more deep in 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 Tuvan music than than he is. Like he he traveled there. He spent a lot of time there. He was like a like a apprentice of of Igor Kushkende, who is uh, at least was when I was there, like the leader of the Tuvan Culture Center. Uh-huh. Uh, the last time I was there, and he was like apprentice of of him and. Uh, he also found a wife, like a Tuvan wife, had kids. Uh-huh. He has uh, uh, Tuvan kids, so uh, he he really went 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 in to this, and so I I, I formed like this uh, student uh, teacher student relationship with him, and uh, he taught me a lot, and and so I got my body was like uh, warmed up. So I already had a little bit of the technique down, 
But then when I went there, and I was there in the same breathing space, right. uh, then I really like uh, got a breakthrough with my because I got this like mirror cell activation when I was there, but also because my body was ready to go there. So I could kind of adjust like my mirror cells, mirror, mirror cells got activated and then I already had the physique to get into it. Right. So because then if you don't have the physique for it, you go there, you feel it, but your body is not ready to do it. So then it's like, okay, you're not able to do it. But so, so yeah, for sure. Going there was a major deal. And can you just talk about a little bit like, I think you have a, a very short documentary on YouTube. I don't know. Is it still on YouTube the, over your yeah, time? Yeah, there? it's still, That's there, still yeah. there. So people can check that out. What's it? What's that called? Hermeji. Uh, Hermeji uh, is like the, the the first title, but it's like you know, nobody knows how to spell it. Okay. Hermeji <laughs> basically means a singer of Herme. Right. Uh, a young man's journey into the cradle of throat singing is like the the secondary title. Cool. I'll put a I'll put a link to it in the um, description for the podcast. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it's a, it's about yeah. my trip to the festival, the competition, actually. Yeah, and and can you talk a little bit just about like what is it like to go to Tuva and to be in the presence of the people there, the culture, the land? I've I've been uh, to Bhutan, which is on on some level to me those two countries, Tuva and Bhutan, have some kind of a connection because they're kind of like these isolated little, um, you know kind of uh mystical sort of kingdoms and you know bhutan's in the himalayas it's literally a kingdom uh i don't know if tuva is a kingdom exactly i don't know the political situation of it but i mean just talk about like you know what was your experience of the land and like the feel of it so cause, you know i've been a few places that kind of maybe have a similar vibe but i have not had the blessing to go to tuva yet so yeah tuva tuva is uh is part of russia uh tuva is part of russia it's like right. an autonomic republic and there's no train going to Tuva and the the airport uh, is really small and you know they only have like these small pa planes going around uh, but you can't really it's it's not easy you know to fly there mm -hmm. so basically how you get there is that you fly to Abakan which is I think the capital of Hakassia which is another uh, another one of these autonomic republics that Russia is full of because you know they conquered a lot of these these uh these places right. uh, uh, kind of assimilated them in into their empire uh, so you go you fly you fly to Abakan and from Abakan you basically get a cab like there are these shared rides that uh, go between uh, Abakan and Kizil Kizil is the capital so I think it's like five six hours uh, drive through the mountains and through the through the forests and yeah i mean it's a there's different landscapes there's the step step uh there's mountains uh, there's taiga and there's even some desert in the south mm. and it's very it's a very isolated country yeah i mean this the, the impression i get is like i mean and i don't i don't know because i haven't been there but i'm kind of asking here so it it is a very isolated country and it's very like when you're there you're kind of like in the desolation of nature the solitude of nature like the power of nature is that would you say that's more or less correct yeah because it's 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 a very rural place right. like they have one city kizil which i think is like hundred thousand people maybe maybe a little more 
around 100,000 people. And that's basically their only city. And the, uh, and I think there's like 200,000 people in Tuva. So all right. the rest are kind of divided around the country. There's some bigger uh, villages. Aktovurak is, I think, a bigger, bigger village. And there's some other villages. And the rest are just like dispersed yeah. around the place. So, yeah, and it's a very remote place because, you know, people don't really have a reason to go there. <laughs> right. Other than you know, uh, Tuvan culture, yeah, Tuvan throat singing, uh, but yeah, there's not a lot of reasons for, and it's not easy to go there. There is no like tourist industry really. Like, it's a really like it's a do-it-yourself travel thing if you want to go there. That's cool. I mean, it's nice to know that there's still things like that that exist in a lot of ways, just from how how globalized everything's become, how easy it is to travel everywhere. It's nice to know there's still places that, you know, haven't been like. For instance, you know, obviously, if you were to try to go to like a rock or something like that, that would be pretty do it DIY in a lot of ways. Or if you, you know, if you're in the military or something. So, yeah. but, but in this like, case, you know, it's a peaceful place you can go to. Yeah, but because you know, internet is really changing all of this because you know everyone kind of has access to right. uh, the global culture uh, through internet. So it's not as isolated as it was like maybe in the '90s when this uh, what was his name, Paul Again, Pena. Is that the yeah. Genghis Blues guy? Yeah, Paul Pena. Yeah. When he went there, like then it was really like isolated. Like no one never been there before from the West or anything like that. Yeah, not a lot. Not a lot of Americans going going in. And so what's like the because you know what, what I remember we had so we had a Lash Ensemble come here and we had uh and Sean Cork was talking about it and he was like, you know, and I, I'm sure you've heard this obviously, but it's like people always affiliate Tuvan throat singing with like mysticism and spirituality. But a lot of people don't realize a lot of the words are about like, you know, chasing horses and chasing women. <laughs> and it's kind of like well, it's all, it's like, you know, cowboy <laughs> kind of music on a certain level. It's a very cowboy culture. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but what is what is the connection with like the shamanic world in Tuva? Because I've se also seen like I think in your documentary, you, were, you guys visited something, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, some kind of a shamanic gathering. I'm just curious, like, and I, I have friends who've been over to Siberia and spent time with the Siberian shamans, uh, and, you know, there's obviously that the word shaman comes from that region of the world, maybe not specifically Tuba, but from Russia and Siberia. Yeah. So uh, what's, what was your experience of that? What did you see? What is it something that's really prominent there, or is it something that's kind of been, like, kind of watered down as globalization has happened? Or Yeah. Yeah, I mean... The way Buddhism spread around uh, Asia was that it kind of fused together with the local traditions, Buddhism. So, for example, Tibetan Buddhism is a is a mixture between uh, the 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 kind of original Buddhism from India mm -hmm. uh, and mixed with the local shamanic traditions. Right. So, the kind of the same thing happened also with Tuva. Like their religion, uh, official religion, is Buddhism. But it's very much together with their uh, shamanic traditions. Like they, they have shamans uh, over there. And for example, the 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 culture center and the throat singers, they have this uh, <clears throat> their kind of uh, their shaman who who usually does these uh, shamanic ceremonies uh, during. Every every time I've been to Tuva, I've I've attended this uh, this this ceremony. Uh, that they do with the throat singers. There, there is this one place called uh, Aldenbulag, 
which is this mound uh, that they they made there. It it has this like rocks, rock pile, rock pile with some totems, totem poles for different styles of throat singing, and you know we gather around and then they, and and then they make a bonfire, uh, and they put a lot of sweets into the bonfire because they, like spirits like sweet stuff right so they like put a lot of candy a lot of milk uh stuff and and then they smudge everyone with this uh local juniper mm. and uh it's it's kind of a it's kind of a mystery to me as well like the connection with the with the with shamanism and throat singing because like you said it, it's a cowboy thing like they sing a lot about you know horses and girls i mean those are the main subjects <laughs> of course like every now and again you have a song about a certain mountain range or like a certain river or or something but then it's like yeah but it's the most mystical sound i mean i mean the sigut sound is like i mean you hear that it just sounds as if you're like peering into another dimension so it's it's so bizarre how you know well, it I, comes I, yeah, you know. it kind of sprouts from it kind of sprouts from just being in direct communication and interaction with nature like the right. sounds like there are there are styles that are kind of imitating the sounds of 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 nature like for example for example like uh uh burlang uh burlang and maybe even borbonader like these styles that are these kind of oscillating oscillating sounds i'm going to demonstrate in in just a second but like it's it's supposedly uh supposed supposed to imitate like the the flow of a river mm -hmm. like or a small stream <clears throat> i can't i can't do i mean this is going to be just audio so you're not going to see my lip but uh in this budalong style like the the lips uh you 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 put them in this certain way that they start to just shake like tre like tre trem yeah. tremble uh -huh. or, yeah, yeah exactly yeah 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 they start to tremble and this do this oscillating uh almost uncontrolled movement i cannot do that so i'm just gonna demonstrate with like uh shaking my lip with my with my finger because i, I cannot do like the the proper burlang technique but that's like supposed to kind of imitate the 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 a small stream maybe <clears throat> the flow of water <clears throat> So and and also like the the techniques come from like uh, from imitating the animals because they were nom nomadic people so they started to imitate the animals so in a way I'd say and, and yeah Kargira Dak Kargira uh, the mountain Kargira is like painting the mountains so in a way the singing is in my interpretation a way to tune in with your surroundings with the mountains with the plants with the animals with the spirits with whatever right yeah i mean so basically it's like they don't need to necessarily create uh, an, an ideology out of it for them it's like they are just becoming one with the forest one with the mountains one with the animals just through the sounds it, yeah, i mean exactly. it's it's a very it seems like a very pure way of connecting to life in the sense of like it's not like they need to have a, a very complex philosophy behind it it's like they're like yeah we imitate 
the sound of this and then we become that in a certain way that's kind of how i'm interpreting what you're sharing yeah. here you tune so, in yeah so this is kind of brings me a question about well can you share about like you know your your own connection with spiritual practices and disciplines and shamanic practices uh both from your own ethnic background and then other ones that you've explored here in tuva or in other places just what is it i mean because your music is like is so much of a shamanic journey i mean it's like listening to it it's like it just takes you it takes you to another dimension as you were sharing in the bio so can you share just about like how what practices you engage in what disciplines are there specific things that you studied what's connected you and, and informed both your personal life and then also your music yeah well i started my life as an as a as an atheist kind of like my my my, my parents uh, like fin finland is um Finland is uh, Lutheran, uh, okay. Christian, Christian Lutheran mostly, uh, but my parents uh, parted ways with the church as soon as they were like of age. Uh, so, so, and I didn't receive any religious uh, upbringing when I was a kid, mm. but then I was in a school that was semi-religious. So for a very short time, because you know the same teacher that was teaching math and fucking teaching me how to read started to talk about you know god and jesus so i kind of took it for granted that okay i guess there is something like this uh but then i started to your parents because I, just i'm just curious your parents yeah. weren't uh conflicted about sending you to a religious school or just that that kind of caught me by surprise well i mean <laughs> it was a, i think in i think you call it waldorf school okay yeah yeah sure yeah, you call it Waldorf. So like it has like it has some my mom is a teacher. Okay. So she knew about like their kind of philosophies when it comes to uh, raising kids and how to how to tend to children pedagogically. Yeah. Uh but I guess I'm not sure maybe they I mean, it was it was not like it was not like super religious. It's not like, like a Catholic not, school where they, they no or nothing <laughs> like when I say religious school like I think from an American right. perspective you're like <laughs> it yeah, means like hard, really... hardcore right <laughs> but just you know that we had we did like some prayers or okay. you know we did some prayers and and and, and things like that in, in school but it was like very mild when you okay. compare it to some american stuff um i mean finland basically is a very secular uh country overall yeah. like we have christian traditions we celebrate christmas and you know we have all these uh these uh christian traditions christian culture but overall it's very secular it's it's very it's very secular so anyways i i i kind of i kind of parted uh, parted ways with with well i was like disappointed and a little bit angry towards like i i just thought it was just a load of bullshit and just like thing to control people like religion was just this thing that is used for controlling people when i was a teenager i was like an angry atheist kind of but then i started to open up a little bit because you know we had this band and we did this kind of like i'm calling it transcendental jamming but i didn't think of it like that back then but really like achieving like a kind of altered states of consciousness nothing radical uh, but still, like, felt this 
my, like my mind altering and and experiencing life in a, in a in a little different way, a little more porous and 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 just like expansion of my being a little bit, or like dissolution uh, of uh, of my uh, ego and and things like that. Nothing radical, but still felt it. And 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 uh, but I didn't like a put a I didn't like put any any too much meaning uh-huh. toward it but then i started to get a little more uh into it when i i actually i, I think i was around 20 i think uh i dropped a little bit of acid and uh during like it was nothing radical either like it was it was nothing like a like a huge dose i've been always very careful mm-hmm. with 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 stuff uh so but but during this 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 session, I was listening to this uh, Sami Sami singer uh, Mariboyne, and during that moment, I had this kind of a white out feeling, like every everything just went white, and there was just this moment, this ding moment, and then I just felt this huge urge to write, uh, to write, and then I just took like a like a notepad and and kind of to this day uh it's it's kind of open question for me like did i really tap into some greater field of consciousness or was i having a dialogue with my subconscious so i i started to write questions and then the questions were answered and and i i i I had this written dialogue uh, during this experience and one of the things that came out of this experience was that uh, all right uh, find out about different uh, different indigenous traditions mm-hmm. around the world and uh, try to find out what are the things that they have in common what connects them and this was something that kind of put me on this path that I'm today and uh Buddhism for me is like a scaffolding or like a like a framework that I that I that I use. I, I already got interested in it when I was a when I was a teenager, uh, and I've been kind of uh, dabbling with it from time to time. I've been initiated to Tibetan uh, Buddhism by this uh, by this one uh, Lama who who resides in in Finland. But I wasn't like super into it. Like my problem. Or not my problem, but like what I've done is that I've been always kind of a little detached from everything. Uh-huh. So like I haven't gone like full on to anything, which I think um, I've been a little careful because like I've, I was I was afraid of dogma. I was afraid of all these rules and religion and all these problems that come with organized religion and how it corrupts quite often and, and how it's corrupted quite often. But yeah, I still use the I, Buddhism is a scaffolding for me, but also I've been uh, lately dabbling, like for a, for a few years, been dabbling with like the South American uh, traditions, the, the Vegetalismo uh, traditions. And actually like right now at this moment in, in, in time, I'm, I'm trying to kind of be a little more cohesive with this. And instead of, you know, just picking from there, from there, from right. there, really trying to build like a like a good scaffolding 
a good framework for my for my mind because you know when you when you get into when you get into trance when you get into ecstatic states if you don't have a scaffolding if you don't have a vocabulary of of mythology or 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 vocabulary for for this stuff it can really like just float around and you're just like oh man that was trippy man <laughs> and then it really doesn't have a context like a perennial context yeah that that's that's beautiful and extremely important thing for to recognize it's interesting i I had some LSD one time in college. I had it before college. I was also an atheist, and I took one tab. I was at a festival, and I pretty much went into a believer of divinity after that, just one tab of it, you know, just like, oh, the experience of it. But then it's interesting. I had a similar thing. Uh, I, I took a couple tabs of it in college and then went out into the woods, and the thing that came to me was, like, the native traditions, like, super heavily. Like, it just flooded into my sphere about, like, oh, like these people were the people that were tuned into all this stuff and they had a sense of the connection of it. So that's interesting that you also kind of went in that direction with it um, where that was the thing that came to you and you were writing down, like what is the thread that connects the indigenous people? Um, I think it's pretty common experience because, you know, our right. existence <laughs> our existence is quite, uh, quite tepid. Yeah, and so... When you say you're you're working on building um, like a more cohesive scaffolding, and you've been kind of diving more into the vegetalismo traditions, uh, what does that look like for you? Are you specifically following like, I mean, obviously some of these things are a little bit more uh, free to talk about than other things, but are less free to talk about, I should say. But are you are you following like a specific form of discipline, or are you trying to kind of like? lean more into like what one lineage specifically says as opposed to kind of like looking bits and pieces around is that kind of what you mean by that um yeah yeah i mean i'm 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 thinking that for me it's super important to be able to discuss uh the ineffable with as broad set of people as with like as, as broad of a set with people as as possible like uh, I'm, I'm now. I'm trying to kind of. What I'm kind of narrowing down is like. Uh, well, first of all, I'm trying to think like what, what, what are the common denominators in a way? Like thinking of mm -hmm. what's my cultural heritage. Like I'm, I'm Finnish. I wasn't really brought up as a, as a kind of like a Finnish pagan. Like we have our uh -huh. own traditions of, 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 of pagans. Like we have our own. Uh, uh, set of m myths uh, that but it's also like all these are very it, it, it's not very cohesive because you know Finland consisted of like these tribal these tribes uh, just scattered all over and they, they they had like some some entities or some 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 mythological characters but you know they differed from place to place a little bit so there wasn't like a cohesive uh narrative when it comes to that but there is like a this kind of a spell or like a magic culture magic culture that's not like super like way 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 back because you know finland was so far in the north and was it was quite late uh before it was assimilated to the christian empire but still i mean people have been like there for thousands of years correct i mean i remember oh, yeah. reading something like the, that the sauna has been used in finland for thousands of years and i imagine that like 
and at some level from a little bit I've read, I know like in Latvia specifically, there's like a shamanic practice with the sauna, not similar to the Native American sweat lodge, really different. But I imagine there's something like that with the connection of like, because the heat is the mind altering substance in a lot of ways. And it's something, I mean, I was reading in Finland, it's like there's like one sauna for every three people or other way around, something like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like sauna tradition is really strong here. Like I have a sauna. I live in a studio apartment and I have a, I have a sauna like built, <laughs> built in <laughs> to it's this incredible. apartment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really old tradition. Like people were born in the sauna when people di- died they were taken to the sauna and they were cleaned there for the for the last time and uh and uh it's i mean it's 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 a it's a ritual like of course of course like nowadays a lot of people you know they take it very lightly it's a place yeah, where you, you hang out you drink a couple of beers and after like Friday, Friday night before you go to bar you had to take a sauna and and drink a couple of beers and then you go about your way but also a lot of people find refuge in Finland uh, at Mökki which is like cottage like we have a a strong summer cottage uh, tradition here so a lot of people have these uh, refuges uh, these places of refuge they go to maybe it's by a lake a cottage maybe no running water and and there's a like a proper sauna that you heat by uh putting like there's an oven under the under the stones and you heat it by uh warming it up with you you heat it up by burning wood and when you have this kind of a sauna it's really like it has all the elements super present there because you have right. the earth in form of the wood and the stones and then you have the fire and then you have the then you have the water you pour the water on top of the uh, stones. You have steam, uh, which is kind of the air mixed with water. And it's uh-huh. like all the elements are super there. Yeah. And so with like uh, with your connection with all these different traditions, too, you were mentioning to me before we um, before we started recording that you're yeah. you're planning to get funding to go down to South America, which you've uh, you've been down to South America before, or no? Uh, no, no, okay. I haven't. But you, I mean, can you talk a little bit about what you're planning on doing? Because you have like a, a trip plan there, or you're trying to get that in the motion, or? Yeah, it's um, because um, like I'm I'm talk I'm I'm kind of I don't consider myself as a conventional musician in a okay. way. Like I'm I'm I like in my bio, like I'm kind of like a ritual musician. Right. ceremonial musician the way i approach music is is a ritual is a ceremony like i uh, with music i try to provide a space that can be uh transformational meditative uh a lot of things uh like i'm very much involved uh with ecstatic dance here in finland and ecstatic dance is this beautiful modern container for for, for ecstasy and, and trance mm-hmm. uh, that, I mean, all this sort of stuff has been around for thousands of years and now ecstatic dance is this kind of a modern container, beautiful container. Uh, I accompany cacao uh, ceremonies uh, and, and, and all things like that. So I'm just trying to deepen my, deepen my skill set and deepen my immersion uh, through exposure to cultures that are using music 
in a very, <clears throat> very deep way as a tool in in the ceremony space. And not entertainment. In this, yeah. And not just entertainment. Right. Of course, entertainment is 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 a big part of it. But there's right. also like it's a tool. Is a proper tool. So uh, in in this particular case, I'm I, I study global music. Uh, in the University of Arts of, of, of Finland. I'm doing my master's at the moment, and during our master's, we have an opportunity to do some field work. So I'm in the process of, of, of doing my, uh, going to do my field work to, the, to Peru. There is this center called the uh, Temple of the Way of Light, mm -hmm. uh, which is this uh, kind of a, like, it's Western people... Uh, doing it uh, or like uh have, have founded run, it i think dr dan eagle okay yeah yeah dr dan eagle i think was is, is is a major figure there uh but then it's in a shibibo village right so there's like the 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 the, the actual actual medicine bearers are shibibo like it's traditional shibibo but then there is this bridge uh of of Western psychologists uh, and translators and people who are kind of bridging the experience. And they have prior academic affiliations. So in a way, it's, it's a good, it makes sense for me to do my, do my field work for my are you masters gonna there. Are you going to record some of the Shipibo grandma? It, it, what I understand, and I think I've heard this word of mouth actually, is that, is that center in particular is done by all female curanderas. That's correct, yeah. I mean, Shipibo in general as a culture are very matriarchal. Hmm. So yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the, I think, I think Shipibos, do they call them Unanyas? I, I'm not sure what's the, what's the right. I should know more about this than I do, but my understanding is, uh, oh, well, there's like Muraya, Banco Muraya as like, as like titles. Unanya is definitely, <laughs> I should know more about this. <laughs> my my wife my wife would school me on it that way. <laughs> but, but anyways it's a very matriarchal society and yeah a lot of the let's call them healers uh, a lot of yeah. the a lot of the healers are 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 women yeah cool and uh so are you planning on recording them or are you planning on to like to sample them or to like how exactly are you planning to like kind of work with them for your your research and your music well uh if 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 they allow me, I'm I'm for sure. I'd like to interview them. I'd like to interview them, and also a, a big part of it is just to be held space for, because like I've been holding so much space through my right, music right. and and all other things, and I've been doing it so much that I think like it would be benefit for me and through me benefit for many other people if. I could be held space for and really experience that in in a in a deep way, right. uh, with a tradition that goes back generations and generations and generations. Excellent, and it it says here, uh, according to this, it says Unanya means one who sees. Uh, a doctor uses the relationship of plants to cure a medium through which the plants move. So, there yeah. we go. Unanya, def correct definition of it. Yeah. Uh, are you going to be doing a diet where you're going to be doing like a period of uh, fasting and solitude and just like inward uh, contemplation or anything like that? Is that something that's possible on the list? Or, I mean, they do diets. They they do dietas uh, over there. 
but uh, I think this this one I already booked it for for May. I think this is just like the 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 standard package okay. <laughs> because they cool. they have it kind of down. Like it's a center. They've been running it for for over a decade, I think. Right. So they have the system, and you can just kind of book it, book the uh, book the package, and it has like a certain amount of uh, ceremonies and yeah, yeah. Cool. And I was talking to um. Uh, and I was interviewing another artist uh, about a week ago, and I, there's this quote that I love. I kind of poised this question to her as well. So basically, like, uh, it said that the modern artist is, or the artist is like the modern day shaman, mystic, or yogi. I think this quote was stated at a time where, before globalization had occurred, we had opened up to a lot of other cultures. And this is, you know, someone sharing this from a place where like yogis and shamans and mystics weren't really around, and they're like, yeah, well, what we have now is the artist it's kind of funny because now all those things have kind of come back full throttle like yogi, yoga and, and shamanism are like very mainstream things. Will Smith was came out about drinking ayahuasca recently, which is very funny to me. <laughs> but uh question is um, like, how do you, how do you see yourself on some level as like participating in that statement as like you are an artist, but you're also kind of like a modern day, shaman on some level and like i you know that as i say that especially with my connection all this stuff i i've always found that word to be kind of on some level ridiculous aside from unless you're like someone who's coming from the culture where it really originated from but for just to say that as a disclaimer as i asked the question but uh how do you kind of see yourself as like okay i'm an artist but i'm someone that's like through as you say a ritual musician i'm holding space for people I'm taking them on a journey. Like, can you just share about how you, what you do crafting wise as a musician to facilitate that for people? Like, uh, what your process is as an artist and how you try to weave things together. Just if that is a good way to put it, can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that what I do is in the canon of shamanism, it's not shamanism. Right. I'm not a shaman, but I'm I'm in the canon of it. Like uh uh that yeah, this this thing that is emerging that we are kind of uh seeing emerge in this in this time where like uh we have we are kind of waking up from this dream that we've had, this dream of consumerism that we've we've had for for a while now and like the 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 Christian centric dream and Catholic dream and all, 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 all or these kind of uh, pathological trans states yeah. that we've had for a, for a, for us for some time now, and really kind of opening opening up to these alternative ways of of, of being and uh, existing, and it's a beautiful thing that you yeah you see a lot of like a a lot of focus uh, going to places where they've tried to scramble with uh holding holding the traditions like even though the we the 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 conquistadors and all the other <laughs> nice and nice people uh, went there and uh, did their best to kind of up like root the like uh to destroy the the, the uh, traditions root and stem they've been grasping on them and now a lot of Respect is going to that direction, which, which is which is beautiful. So yeah, I mean, I try to 
when it comes to spirits, when it comes to consciousness, when it comes to that, like I'm, I'm, I'm still in 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 a, in the phase that I'm trying to kind of not be married to any worldview, not to be married to any any scaffolding. Like this is kind of a new thing for me now to really kind of build a scaffolding for myself, but also like at the same time I'm I'm I'm, I'm very conscious that that my that I I'm just a human being. I'm just a I'm just a human being like it, it would be a, a lot for me to ask to be able to understand the fundamental nature of the universe because like first of all like my sensory organs seriously lack uh, in absorbing and interpreting all the data is, that is like swirling around in this <laughs> in this world so <laughs> so uh, when it comes to spirits the consciousness I'm they're all open questions to me because like at the moment like we lack I'm very much rooted in 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 science as a tool because it's just such a like scientific method and all the scientific instruments like there are such great tools for extracting uh, data and and information and and creating scalable uh, scalable models that we can actually apply in the world uh, like really efficiently uh, but also understanding that it's not done like science is not done like we don't have all the instruments yet so and the anecdotes from the jungle the mo for for me like the the anecdotes from the jungle are the most interesting because there the tradition is so strong it's so they they apply it so much like it's not just you know like a like a like some trip that you do and maybe there's some like communication with ancestors and 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 whatnot and blah 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 but they they actually apply it a lot uh through medicinal plants and all this other other stuff so i don't when i <clears throat> When I create these spaces, when I when I when I when I invite these spaces, I try to keep it really open. I try to just provide like when when it comes to ecstatic dance, when it comes to sound journeys, when it comes to any time where I create a space with, through music, I I try to make it safe and provide as little suggestion as possible kind of when, and you mean specific suggestion, like to a specific tradition, or like I've yeah, mythology, because yeah. spirit talk, yeah. Because I've seen a couple of videos of yours, and you have like some really heavy symbolism. By heavy, I just mean like really powerful. Like I mean, you you wear like that. I think it's like an almost like an elk skull on top of your head uh, for a couple of them. Yeah, I've kind of yeah, things like that. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of dialed that back quite a bit. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I uh, yeah. Oh, I forgot this is uh, audio only because I have it right next to me. <laughs> well, I mean, for instance, what what is that something that what is the symbolism of what was the symbolism of that for you? Just out of curiosity. Well, I mean, it's a it's a deer, uh, it's a deer deer skull uh, with or this not even a deer. I don't know what it is in in English, but in Finnish, it's like metsapeura. It's like, like a we call it. For, it's not a, not a reindeer, but okay. in, like a direct translation would be a forest deer, this very small deer. 
uh, and I mean, <laughs> because it's so small, it's it's like the horns are quite light. Uh, or antlers, sorry. The antlers are quite light, so I can actually have it on my head. Uh-huh. Uh, but like, I have I have this relationship with elk uh, because uh, Finnish people have a strong relationship with elk. Like, uh, I think the, one of the theories is that you know the the kind of the 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 proto people who came here way back when uh came because they were following elk herds because you know they got basically everything from them they got the meat they got the the tools from the bones uh the pelt they would use for dwelling for clothing for everything so they were like just following the elk uh so there is like this kind of a deep relationship with finnish people and the elk so i was kind of and also like elk to me uh, represents this stamina first of all like like stamina but and also like it's the it's the kind of the king of the of the forest but it doesn't fuck with you unless you fuck with it in a way like it, it's not like it's not a predator you know just going around like killing killing right. rabbits and other animals but if you if you mess with it it's gonna kick you mm-hmm. I had, a, I had a question. I wanted, oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you. This reminded me a lot about... Uh, I heard Alash Ensemble uh, tell the story of the Aguil. And I, mm-hmm. I don't recall if I remember there was something... Can you just share a little bit about the Aguil? I mean, for instance, no one here probably knows what the Aguil is. I just mentioned that word. So can you share a little bit about the Aguil and then maybe share some music from it? Yeah. Aguil is this is two-string fiddle uh, that comes from, from Tuva. They're um, Mongolians. They have Morinhur, which is a little more. It, it's like they have a similar uh, story in a way. Like they're very related. But you know, when Mongolia was more uh, more influenced by the by the by the West and like the classic classical music and cello, for example. So they 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 the Mongolians changed the design a little bit to resemble cello. A little, but Tuvans they still have like this kind of very traditional type. It's like this two-string fiddle. You play it on your lap, uh, and uh, it's like smaller than a cello, bigger than a violin, and it has like this horse head, um, hor- horse head carving on top of it. And um, yeah, the story behind it is that is there was yeah the, yeah the bird the the, the myth of Igil uh, is that there was a long time ago there was this uh, kind of a Khan figure mm-hmm. because they were there the, the culture is very related to Mongolians okay uh, very very similar yeah. very similar culture uh, nomadic tribesmen uh, and and there was a Khan and the Khan had horses and he had a stable with horses and 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 there was a horse that was born in the stable that was somehow like weak uh by the way i might get this some details wrong but like as as a, in in general i think this is this is how the story goes so yeah the horse was somehow somehow not healthy or something so the the khan ordered the horse to be put down so then the guy who was supposed to put down the horse 
felt pity for the horse and decided to keep it and tended to the horse. And, and then the horse actually became like a really kick-ass horse and, and started to win all kinds of competitions and became like really, really top, top horse. Uh, and then the Khan got jealous of this horse and was like, this horse got to go. So he ordered the horse to be assassinated. So there came these men in the night, took the horse uh, from the from the owner, and took it to a cliff and shoved it uh, from the from the from the cliff, killed the horse. Then the guy uh, wakes up, is like, "Where's my horse? Where's my horse?" And goes to find find the horse and looking for the horse and is just exhausted from all the seeking and just collapses and has a vision and in the vision the spirit of the horse uh, comes to him and is like hey you'll find me here you'll find me there they they killed me uh, you'll find me there come and find me and uh take my take my take my skull uh nail it to a th- tree uh take the tree uh and make a body of an instrument from this tree take the skin of my face and put the skin make a membrane for the for the for the body of the instrument and take my hair and uh, make strings out of my hair and uh, carve my head into this instrument and when he did this and started to play Mm. the spirit of the horse uh, moved into the instrument so yeah people People cannot see see this. I have this eagle over here, and I'm just gonna uh-huh. play you a little bit. Yeah. Is the sound okay? Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Can you share some of the throat singing with it too? Yeah. It's amazing how many different things you can do with just two strings on there. It's crazy.
crazy like, wow. expressive. <laughs> like I mean, I've heard it. I've heard it played before, but like it's been a while, and but I've seen. I've like observed it because we're watching video screen for people just listening, and like, whoa, like there's a lot you're doing there. <laughs> yeah, the overtones. I, I mean, the harmonics are just are just crazy. Yeah, wow. it's really expressive. It's really expressive. It's like because, you know, because uh, like a violin, it's like one solid string kind of like but like this is made from like traditionally the, the, traditionally it's made from horse hair right. so the string is a bundle of of threads ah uh, okay so okay that makes a big difference to the right. sound how, so uh how complicated is it to learn to do more or less what you just did there <laughs> i'm not sure because okay. like <laughs> when i was a kid i played the cello uh, so okay. you know when i was young i i i i played like uh like a stringed instrument yeah i i stopped it when i was like around 10 maybe but i i i kind of when i when i picked up igil like i could kind of learn it quite quite sure. fast but it is a it's a very it's a simple instrument it's a it's it's a very simple instrument but there's also like a lot of depth in how in yeah words. it's powerful it kind of it reminds me on some level in that respect as like the didgeridoo which i've been playing it's the first instrument i ever played it's like because it's very simple in a lot of ways i mean you're i mean it, it's funny like i've gone and i've taught uh like uh second grade kids who are like seven years old like a group of them for a school and they're able to do it instantly just going like and uh you know then you go and try to teach adults and they can't figure it out <laughs> at all because <laughs> it's like it's something that's so simple i mean obviously the circular breathing but at the same time it's so simple yet yeah, it's like really really powerful uh yeah so that's epic and yeah thank you for sharing that i have a um, another question here that's kind of just like a, a little bit different um topic on some level than tuba music uh so we're, we're kind of talking just about like human consciousness and like on you know tapping into this scaffolding you want to create for the ineffable and my question is here what are your thoughts on the evolution of uh, our planetary human consciousness at this extremely bizarre, bizarre time in history? And like, what do you feel is needed to realign us back into harmony with nature and like a spiritual understanding? Well, that's a that's an epic, epic question. <laughs> I, I, epic, I try to make epic questions, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's an epic questions, and and I mean part of this trying to create my own personal scaffolding uh, is is kind of part of this. Uh, because, you know, we're running this experiment of, of like, uh, experiment of, of entropy, in a way, when it comes to culture. Like, it's yeah. just getting smaller and smaller and, and more diverse and more diverse and diverse and diverse and diverse. And it's beautiful, and it brings... A lot of, a lot of uh, expression and a lot of beautiful things, but it also it brings this lack of cohesion, which, uh, like, I've been thinking a lot about this. Like, uh, like take for example China. Like China, there's a lot of really fucking ugly things going on in China. It's a really ugly place in 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 many ways. But what they do have is this cohesion like this because they are very authoritarian that's how you say it yeah that's correct yeah they're very authoritarian so there's a lot of power in it so even though the culture even people embedded in the culture might not 
a lot of them might might feel su- suppressed and not 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 free and even tread over but still as a whole it might have so much power that it might you know just kind of roll over some some cultures that lack this cohesion maybe they have freedom they have expression they have art they have all these beautiful nice things but they lack cohesion like it's always when there is a when there is a kind of like a like a like an uprising like a revol- revolution there is this kind of general general sense of it's not cool and people revolt and become this kind of disorganized mob that just kind of wants to take over but because they don't lack they, they lack cohesion all these kinds of uh, smaller entities that kind of lurk in the shadows see this chaos and they can just kind of hijack this chaos because they are they are united they are they have a they have a focus they have a goal they have something they want to achieve and they take the chaos and uh, they take over when everyone else is just arguing i mean that the same thing happened with the french revolution the same happened with the arabic spring so this kind of scaffolding thing is also part of me like trying to wake up from this individualistic dream of 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 the west and create your own truth and create your own reality type of a type of a thing and try to kind of tap into these perennial systems that have been trying to kind of for example the way i think of spiritual like a like a spiritual experience like an authentic spiritual experience or whatever you want to call it like when you experience the ineffable when you when you when you experience these things it's very because it's ineffable it's really hard to put into words and it's really like when you when you get these experiences you cannot just like telepathically uh transfer the experience to someone like all this wisdom or these uh, visions and all these kind of uh insights that you might get like you can't just like download or upload them to to someone so because they're so vast vast uh complexes these 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 things so what for example the the buddhists did is that they created uh they kind of they created form they put form to it like they always like the buddha was always talking about everything being like there's no form and everything's just emptiness and 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 all, all this all this sort of stuff uh which is really hard to get it's really hard to understand but then when you break it into smaller pieces and you kind of build this kind of uh complex out of them uh there are these data points of this these this in, of enlightenment scattered all over so then when you can you can when you have like a religion when you have this kind of structured form for the spiritual practice you can start to gather these these small pieces of the puzzle even and you can carry them and you can even teach them to other people without understanding it fully but like at some point when you've gathered enough of the pieces and then you have your own experiences you can enter the state of synthesis where you kind of synthesize your own relationship with the ineffable with the with the authentic spiritual ecstatic experience and kind of then 
when you have some scaffolding, you can integrate it into your life and thus you can uh, kind of live a life in this kind of our so-called base uh, reality and then these things, these these traditions can then be trans transferred perennially. Because yeah, I, now when we yeah. have all these individual kind of make your own reality type of things, it's all nice and good, but it might just die with you. Hmm. There are these kind of branches that sprout out of these experiences, but then they, they die because they lack momentum. They lack all this, all this, these things. So in this sense, like I see the value of these religious, uh, yeah, these religions. I, I, I like what you're saying about stepping away from like that Western philosophy of like, create your own reality, do your own thing. Uh, you know, that's, I mean, that's in a lot of ways, like how I, I've tried to, live my life in a lot of ways I mean, at the same time like embracing that like I th i'm all for like embracing like individual expression of music and art and what y your own personal ideas i mean i think you know that's like absolute necessity i mean i think that one point one, yeah, one, ahead, one, 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 one point to add there like yeah it's like this like we are so extreme like we go yeah. like oh it's this this is the truth this is the this is the word of god this is the word of buddha this is the word of, of of whatever and then there is the other extreme like fuck all that like let's create our own reality and all uh -huh. this sort of stuff and like i'm trying to find this balance where because like chaos is so important sure it's such an important element like every time you have like a like a form that is rigid it it can it can it can be really pathological. It can yeah, become definitely. pathological. No matter where and it came so, from originally. Yeah. So that so that's why like this I try to schedule my chaos <laughs> in a way. Like uh -huh. ecstatic dance is yeah. scheduled chaos. But then, you know, I'm not living my life like I'm living it in an ecstatic dance experience. <laughs> I'm not that's that's not how I live my life, but I need that experience, I need that chaos, you know, to get my rigid ways of thinking loose it's like anarchism like anarchism is so important to have but it's not a viable uh government system governance system mm -hmm. but it's still important to have anarchy it's a tool mm. and chaos also is kind of a tool yeah it, it, it's it's a good way to look at all this stuff it, i mean it's like with your music right i mean for instance your music you have like this ancient throat singing predating my understanding human language in a lot of ways but then you have like the most modern live looping technology interfaced where it's interfaced through that so that seems like kind of like maybe what we're getting at here is like that we need to kind of combine like the the bright aspects of one culture and the bright aspects of another culture without necessarily having one drown out the other but having them to like um, support one another and allow us to like learn from each one and like see how they can combine to create something new but at the same time that new energy is cohesive enough that it can include other people and include like the roots from where it came from and mm. so it's not just like oh i made this really cool thing and then like it never gets passed down to anybody else and no one really benefits from it and then it's kind of like this yeah you figure something out really beautiful about god or life or art or something but then you never really shared it with anyone else and that kind of missed some larger point there yeah, I like inclusive enough. So, right, you know, inclusive. that 
inclusive enough so that you know like let's take a concrete example like for example like the the vegetalismo traditions or the shibibo traditions like inclusive enough so that you know you get people outside the tradition to experience it and even influence it and and even kind of branch out of the of the original tradition to create like new forms but also kind of exclusive enough so that it doesn't just dissolve like completely yeah Yeah. And, and what's interesting too is like when you start to expand outwards with things traditionally you find how there's different traditions that uh Indi- like different indigenous traditions, for example, or, you know, world religions, whatever, it doesn't matter, uh, where they're very old, they're equally as old to one another, yet they contradict contradict one another. Like, that's a very interesting... I'm just thinking about that aspect of things, how, I, how just in my own travels and, you know, exploration of traditions in a similar way that you have, uh, that different, just seeing how there's like, oh, like these two things, like they contradict. And so it's like a really funny moment right now where it's like we're trying to bring forth the best of all these cultures, but then there's also moments where it's like they really actually do clash with one another on certain ways. Oftentimes it can be kind of superficial maybe. Like, for instance, uh, just one thing like that I've come across is like in one tradition, the use of owl feathers being like, if you use that, you're like an evil person, like quote unquote is what (laughs) the person said. And then going to another tradition in South America and the woman going around the room and blessing everyone with owl feathers. And it's like, it's just kind of a, a fu- you know, there's superficial things, but it's just kind of a, this funny th- world that we're living in where it's like, as all these different things get combined, it's like everyone's being confronted with their own dogma or their own like aspect of perhaps what maybe is kind of like just not make believe in the sense that it doesn't matter or like it's just like imaginary, but just something that's like, almost just like only relevant to that culture it's like well this isn't really the ultimate truth or something like that because you you go over here and they're telling you it's the opposite (laughs) it's a funny thing yeah exactly like suggestion and placebo are are hell of a it's a hell of a drug yeah it's a hell of a drug and you know we don't really we lack instruments to kind of measure what's the what's the psychoenergetic effect of owl feathers yeah like we exactly. don't we don't have a tool to measure it so right. like we are so wh- how much is it suggestion how much how much is it like really hard coded into the code of existence and who knows right i mean it depends and it who depends knows? who you ask yeah. <laughs> someone will yeah. t- someone will be really certain it's one way and someone will be certain it's the other way and and this kind of i'm just curious have, have you found that uh when the way that you were combining like really technological advanced things, I mean, obviously you got in third place in this competition. So there were people that were really positively receiving what you were doing, but were, did you ever find any kind of like strange energies or opinions from people about just the fact that you're from Finland or that you're combining it with modern things? Or was there anything like that, that you experienced just out of curiosity? Not really, not, not with Tuvans, not with Tuvans at all. It's like, um, because they're just, they've been like an isolated people and they're just really happy that people are so interested <laughs> in them. That's interesting. Sure. Sure. It makes total they're sense. They're so, <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, but it's, it's, it's kind of, it's like the closer you are, the harder it might be to have a good relationship. For example, uh, the, the mestizo and the shipibo, uh-huh. like the kind uh, and th- those who don't know, like mestizo are these kind of descendants of, of, uh, of, of Spanish uh, who kind of 
mingled with the indigenous populations of mm-hmm. of of South America of, of Peru, for example, and kind of their culture was dissolved and they became more like they became Catholic and right. became like a different thing, and then the Shibibo, who are because there's a lot of shared nasty history between the two. And also there is like a similar type of a thing with the Finnish people and the Sami people have a have have something not as I wouldn't say not as large scale mm-hmm. because like Finnish people and Sami people lived relatively peacefully together for a long time and 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 the shit went down a couple of hundred years uh, started to go south when when uh, Christianity started to come in uh uh and also like the russians with the tuvans yeah so the closer you are it, it might but but then when you come out from outside like if you go to shipibo they might be willing to teach you they might be willing to share but mm-hmm. if you come in as a mestizo they might not do that mm. and as a finnish person i have a, like a i I don't really have a, a strong relationship with Sami people. I know a couple. I've been taught by uh, some Sami people uh, uh, in in Yoik, their their singing tradition, but I'm treading super carefully with that with that with that stuff. Like uh, like in terms of sharing it with people, uh, in in terms of performing it, in right. in terms of because like I don't do Yoik. I try to avoid doing like Yoik or saying that I do Yoik. Because I'm not doing it. I don't know traditional yoiks. I just know one basically, like one yoik that was taught to me by a Sami lady. Uh, but but because in my experience, the way the Sami people uh, yoik, the way they use their larynx, the way they modulate their voice, it's kind of related to to Herme, or at least in a way that because I've been doing. This other larynx-heavy stuff, uh, like I'm, I'm able to kind of imitate the yoik sounds super easy, and kind of been experimenting because also that's a tradition where you're having a direct experience. You're trying to, you're trying to kind of tune in with your singing. Yeah, it's not like you're a performing a piece. No, it's like uh, you're tuning into an experience. You're tuning into someone's energy if you want to use that expression uh through through the singing yeah that that that's interesting i mean it's like it's like almost like a form of meditation or prayer well exactly well i mean it's funny too because the tuvan music is like it's also like that on some level but as we were talking before it's also cowboy music and chasing yeah. women music so it's kind of it seems like there's maybe a little bit more and I correct me if I'm wrong. A little bit more like relaxed energy surrounding it in that respect. Would you say that's the case because of? I mean, while something else might be like, I mean, I know for instance, like we're talking about the Shipibo, like the Shipibo Ikaros, like those are, those are used as like a a technology, um, as an invocation, and they're they're invoking something. They're calling in plants. They're trying to guide energies. They're trying to move something specific. It's it's almost like a spell. It's like wizardry, you know, in that respect. While, the, if, you know, for instance, the Shipibo aren't singing about chasing women and 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 you know, anacondas. Uh, yeah, maybe they are singing about chasing anacondas, but they're not. They're not singing about like chasing uh, 
horses and you know running freely on the plains they're they're calling in specific energies to like guide things into a, uh, a place of healing and unity and in, in that respect and protection for people um so in that regard do you feel like that the tuvans are a little bit more relaxed about it just than perhaps other cultures you come in contact with they feel a lot more relaxed when it comes to that like of course they are like there is this stupid word superstitious because it has like this ne negative connotations yeah. quite a bit uh -huh. but like in a sense like tuvans are quite superstitious like they have these um uh, believes like it's a bad omen if you if you do this or if you do that so they do have that but i haven't encountered it uh, when it comes to to music mm, so okay. much interesting huh interesting yeah i mean this whole this is a discussion that's something that's become like really fascinating in my world in particular because uh, studying as I also study music from many different cultures and specifically music that is used for space holding for healing for meditation for prayer and learning all kinds of music from cultures and, and elders and people and things that it's like uh, as you would say it's like this is an inside song you know it's not something to be shared but then it's like you go on the internet and then you see perhaps that same song being shared by other people of their culture, or you see it being shared by other people that have been past it who are not from their culture. And it's kind of this very bizarre moment where it's like everything that was previously hidden and kept just for like, you know, teacher to student word of mouth, it, whether it's in the world of yoga or music or meditation or medicine or plants or whatever it is, it's suddenly just like everyone knows about it. It's just out but there, right? This is a rumor I heard from from a guy who who's been to to South America, uh -huh. uh, so this is this is this is a rumor. But I heard that there was some sort of a meeting uh, among uh, people involved with ayahuasca. So they they had they had some sort of meetings, and so and they kind of decided that okay, this we need to open this mm -hmm. to the world, like this the world needs this. It's a story, it's a rumor, but in a way, like you can kind of see it happen. Like it's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be, uh, and it is already. Like it, it has some a lot of ugly aspects. The the way we're trying to kind of all these traditions of the scientific uh, or the colonial West is kind of interfacing with the colonized uh, traditions of the uh -huh. South America, and and there is this interfacing going on and because you know you cannot really bring the tradition to the west as is by the way i have to say i hate saying the west because you know they're yeah, as much little, west right. as 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 i mean <laughs> south america is more than west than, yeah and i mean on another level i always like to tell people if you look at a globe if you just keep walking east all of a sudden you're in the west yeah, so it's yeah, like it's, it's kind of it's kind of a bullshit concept it's, here, yeah. it's yeah <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm i'm really looking for a alternative alternative, <laughs> alternative term for that maybe, maybe just like modern cultures you know i mean if that may yeah. i don't know but even that there's i'm sure some sociologists would destroy me for saying that but yeah i've been thinking like how, maybe like uh somehow to we were talking about like traditions yeah and and traditions and culture like i've, I've been really thinking that you know how much am i uh a finnish pagan influenced by Finnish paganism how much am I f 
influenced by Christian Luther, Christian like Lutheran stuff? And how much am I influenced by ancient Greece? Because you know, so much of our systems are you can you can track them down to you know the ancient times, the, all the words we use, so many words, Latin, Greek, our governance system, our science, our math, our our art, our theater. All this stuff is like you can track it down over there. So like I'm as much influenced by Greek culture, even more by Greek culture, shaped by Greek culture, even more than I'm, I'm, I am by like traditional Finnish culture. So in a way, like the so-called West is also kind of extension of the Greeks in a way. Definitely. Definitely, yeah. I, I, th- and that's kind of one thing that that has come to me with this whole this whole thing of like where it's discussion of about things regarding appropriation, use and misuse of things. It's kind of like more and more I'm trying to just approach things as like these are things that belong to humanity, and like if we look deep enough into ourselves, we find that we are connected to everything and everyone, and there's no division. And super important to honor and respect things and pay homage to where things came from but at the same time just to recognize like that we are a global family and a global civilization and that like you said there there was i i do i've I've heard this same sort of thing about this idea that there was discussions amongst many elders and things where they're like yeah these medicines need to come out to the world because there's so many people that are you know the earth's being destroyed on so many levels they're like with the kogi in particular uh, coming down from the mountains in Colombia, not specifically to talk about ayahuasca at all, but just to talk about you know globalization destroying the mm. the habitat and the ecosystem, and like their message of like you need to stop doing this, and like this seems to be a reoccurring theme amongst indigenous cultures where they're like okay, like there needs to be something to shake people out of this delusion, and like in a sense it's like the recognition of like okay, we all need to give up something and whatever it is that we're like trying to hide and tuck away or keep just for ourselves if it's a, be- a benefit to humanity it should be shared and of course it should be shared in the right way but also of course some people are going to misuse things and you know that's kind of part of the part of the mix of everything and but at the also like you said though where you can also uh even if you haven't fully absorbed things like you're not like a master of the agil like you could st- still sit down with someone and show them to do uh, on some level what you know and like and that might you know be something that's life-changing for somebody and like benefit somebody who knows like where that person's able to take it so i on a personal level just uh, it is just getting my my mind moving in a certain direction of just like you know i think it's important that we like really do our best to walk the line of respect and like really not take things and like appropriate or colonialize things but we also need to be able to share these things with people because we are in a place of extreme crisis right now <laughs> and it's like we don't have we don't have too much time to you know get too hung up on on superficial things if that's a fair way to put it well when it comes to this cultural appropriation thing like to me is like i kind of condense or kind of put it in a nutshell in a way like uh in 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 terms of energy exchange yeah like how how is energy exchanged in 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 some interaction plan and also like to kind of tie it into into buddhism a little bit like the buddhist kind of the noble how is it in english like the noble yeah. eight, eightfold path eightfold path yeah. uh-huh. like there are these like uh like truthful 
speech, truthful action types of things. So like when I'm when I when I'm presenting throat singing, am I being truthful when I'm presenting myself? Am I presenting myself as some sort of master? Am I presenting that I understand it fully and deeply and this is the authentic uh, experience? Or am I being honest that uh, about what it actually is? Like I'm not an expert or this is my interpretation of it. And, and, and when I, uh, in, is it a truthful action? Like is there an energy exchange between me and the, and the culture? Am I at least, you know, telling about this culture mm -hmm. or even better? Am I somehow moving some very concrete type of energy there? For example, money. Like when it like for, I haven't been doing teaching of Tuvan thrill singing in like a larger scale mm -hmm. now, but like I still have this idea that, you know, if I start to do it, more in a, in a bigger scale I'm gonna for sure like give part of what I earn like I already talked with the Tuvan Culture Center that hey is there like a program I can donate part of my uh, income when it comes from teaching Tuvan throat singing because I think it's like the least I can do right and I asked them yeah it's like whenever I start doing it they they will allocate it to these programs that are there to kind of teach the, the the kids the traditions send me send me the um send me the link for that because i've been teaching people and i would like to do that too that's a really good i think that's important that i do that as well because i resonate with what you're saying so i would like to be able to do that because i've been teaching people what i know with it uh and that's cool. the one thing i always try to do to tell people as well i'm like i'm not a master of this i share what i know and what i what i can do and uh like, yeah, like, you know, I, I say to people, like, if you put me next to someone from a Lash Ensemble, it's a very big mm. difference. I always tell people that. I'm like, I've, you yeah. know, I've been around these guys, and, like, you know, when, when a Lash Ensemble came here, I shared Sigud, and they're like, yeah, you're doing it correctly. But, you know, they had a few tips and things like that. But, like, yeah, no, that's good. You're doing it right. But um, I always try to make sure I'm, like, I'm definitely not a master of this, and I'm still a student. I'm learning to do it, but I like to share what I know. And Because anyway, like, anyway, when you're doing that, you are, in a way, representing the culture. Right, yeah. So in what way do you do it? Do you make it clear that you're not actually like a super authentic representative of, of the culture? Because either way, you are representing the culture. You are the access, access point to this culture, be it corrupt or non-corrupt, non but it's still an access point for someone or a window to this culture. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like what... I What's made me feel good about sharing and, like, teaching throat singing to people has been, like, the people that I've taught, like, I've been amazed that, like, people actually can do it. Like, I've been able, I've been able to actually, like, translate what I know to people mm. where, like, that's given me, like, a sense of confidence with it where I've been like, wow, like, okay, like, they're, like, their Carter is, like, phenomenal. Like, they couldn't mm. even make a sound before. I'm like, okay, so there's mm. definitely something happening. But um, I love the idea of the donation to the the like the cultural center and the kids so definitely send me the link for that because I, I would like to get involved in doing that and that's kind of like also just to share like that's sort of like kind of partially the vision of what i've been wanting to do with like these podcasts is i have people like yourself come on artists who are doing things like healing work and things for people is to kind of just like 
figure out like a little bit more like how are we using our art and our self-expression to help benefit people like i had a, a veteran come on last week and he's a healer and, and finding a way to like you know fund getting an instrument for him so he can do sound healing and things like that so um i think this is like a big mission and important thing for people who are doing like arts work specifically though obviously with people who are doing things representing traditional cultures like you got to be giving things back otherwise then there's kind of like a missing link in the feedback loop so yeah thank you for helping me come to awareness in that respect <laughs> yeah just contact sean contact yeah definitely i you know it's funny actually we i was in contact with him trying to get him to come collaborate music with us and he said he wanted to do it not him specifically but with alash with our group uh dream seed who you know of and yeah. uh Gotta follow up with him on that. So yeah. we'll see he's happens. a little he's a little tuvan in a sense that you know he's he's, 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 <laughs> he's a little hard to reach digitally. Yeah, definitely. You know they're yeah. very there they're very present when you're there with them, but you yes. know when you're trying to send messages, they might not answer. <laughs> right, right. It's a very tuvan tuvan. It's part of their culture, it seems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that's what isolated mountain region for sure. Yeah. Hey, yeah. can we can we pause for just a little bit? I need to. Yeah, yeah, go. go. All right. So then, what is uh, what is it that you have kind of aside from going to visit the Shipibo? What do you have mm -hmm. sort of next in the world of music? I can imagine too, like as a musician. I mean, as I mean, I am too a musician, and I was traveling around doing music, you know, more like in a healing context, but at the same time, like. You know, one of the last trips I went on was actually we were playing we, we played at a festival, uh, Ishelle and I. But that you know I haven't gone anywhere since the pandemic hit. Like I mean I've 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 gone to visit my parents once and I went up to Maine for vacation. But I I haven't I haven't been like anywhere. And uh, what's ha what's the situation for you as like a, I mean, what have you been able to do sharing your music wise? What and also not just what has the situation been for you, but where where are you trying to go now? What's it look like? What are you able to do at this moment? Well, at the moment, I'm I'm focusing when it comes to like live live events and that sort of stuff. I'm focusing quite a bit on ecstatic dance because it has we have a good momentum. Uh, we have the oldest oldest ecstatic dance uh, and uh, in in Finland, and we have a good momentum going on, and and uh, we're doing festivals and like gatherings and playing mm -hmm. at festivals. Uh, and that sort of stuff, which is which is great. So I'm 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 for, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, because you know it's e really easy for me to kind of put my spoons in all kinds of soups. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out which soup I can bring all my spoons to. <laughs> Good way to put because it. Because I have a lot of spoons. Right. <laughs> I have a, I have a, I have a lot of spoons, but you know at the moment like it seems like i have a lot of hobbies what? where whereas if i could kind of focus it like focus the energy in 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 one direction it would be more sustainable and now i'm using this kind of this that's why i use the ritual musician the ceremonial musician and ecstatic experiences as this kind of that's the kind of the the the, the center of it where whether i do workshops whether I create uh, installation experiences, whether I play as a DJ, whether I perform as a musician, I'm trying to make it revolve around ecstatic experiences, flow state experiences, 
uh, mystical experiences. And have people been safe coming to gather in large numbers and everything like that in respect to COVID? Just in Finland, I don't I don't know what the situation is like. In Finland, there. the situation is 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 quite good. Like it's it's quite decent. There's like they they opened the restrictions. Uh, now they're putting them back a little bit. I think it feels like. But we were able to organize live events the 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 whole autumn, and people are pretty vaxxed up. Uh, so it's like of course there's cases and all sorts of stuff but it's yeah. not it's not like overwhelming now the hospitals are getting filled up a little bit so they are kind of flashing the option of of putting in some more restrictions but like it's funny like finland it's crazy to hear all the stories from other parts of the world where it's like you get fined if you don't have a mask and you right. get like hardcore stuff thrown at you if you if you don't do as they say because here Finnish people are very respectful of authorities and mm. pe- Finnish people kind of fall in line uh, quite easily there's a lot of trust in the government there's a lot of trust in the system so like we don't have a law when it comes to masks like there are kind of strong recommendations but there's no law mm-hmm when it comes to that you don't really get a ticket if you don't have a mask and that sort of stuff see well at least in new york state i think for the most part it's been like that here although i've I've been pretty much (laughs) isolated the whole time so i wouldn't (laughs) even really know but um and then are you uh are are you doing any collaborations with anyone uh coming up uh that we should know about people who are into your music uh well i mean i'm 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 Doing this ecstatic breath work with this uh, one uh, breath work instructor, Lee Ewen, who lives in Finland. He's from Australia originally, and uh, and uh, I've been into my studies quite a bit, like uh, trying to trying to do my masters, and uh, also not because you know if I get full on making music performing that sort of stuff like it, it my, my studies will suffer and I never graduate and, mm-hmm. and and things like that I'm trying to kind of be patient and you know yeah do this do this master's thing properly and and then you know start to branch out there in the world and now like I have this master's project where I'm basically creating this uh, flow generator this making making live looping and and kind of experience experimental experimental music making super accessible to everyone by like because I like I I know a lot about Ableton I know a lot about effects processing and all this sort of stuff touch controllers and all this sort of stuff so I'm 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 putting together or I already put together like a system that I can take around and uh, and have people you know the you know the first time you found a microphone uh that had a delay on yeah it's amazing <laughs> especially if you're you a remi- singer it's amazing yeah you remember that time i'm basically yeah. creating that experience but like way more advanced but as intuitive as like a product that people can buy is that the idea it's not something that people can buy at the moment because like i lack the resources of developing software mm. and hardware 
I am just a man. Uh, so, but so at the moment, I'm just using pre-existing software, pre-existing hardware, and just putting it together with my skill set. So basically, eventually, like it could be something that I could just kind of give out for free, like the cool. instructions of how to how to do it. Mm. So at the moment, is like something that I have the system, I have the rig, I have it set up, and I can kind of come to a place and facilitate a workshop or facilitate an experience for maybe like people in corporate setting like uh, office workers i could i could go and you know have them experience the workshop because you know it's basically a flow state generator so people can experience flow states through making music even though they don't have any experience in improvising music using their voice as a catalyst for 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 sounds can you share a little bit more what that would look like? I'm still haven't. I'm not quite envisioning it. I mean, I get the concept, but not how does it look like in real life? It looks like that you have a you have a microphone. Yeah. You have headphones, and you have a tablet, touch tablet. And then, you make sounds to the microphone, and you have the touch tablet, and you just. Oh, it just gives you all the effects and everything for it. Yeah, yeah, super okay. intuitive, super intuitive where, you know, you don't have to know too much about it. You can just experiment and move your finger across the tablet and shit happens. It's like the hand pen for the voice. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Because I mean, exactly. like, you know, the hand pen just being like the instrument of like, you don't need to be a musician. You just hit it and it sounds beautiful. <laughs> yeah, but in a sense, like super powerful because, right, you know, right. we were talking about the vagus nerve in the yep. beginning. So like the catalyst for the experience is actually your own voice. Yeah. So, I mean, like as someone myself, I am I sing, I throat sing, normal sing, sing all kinds of different world musics. And I've learned all kinds of techniques with it and things. Uh, but I was never trained. You know, I just things I just picked up through osmosis in the same way you were talking really a while ago about the the mirror neurons the mirror mm. uh effect of being around people picking things up through osmosis which is something our, our teacher talks a lot about it's just when you're in the presence of people who have like mastered something or are very well skilled at it you can just pick it up and absorb it um mm. can you just talk a little bit about like the inner journey i don't know like the the inner experience for like you know what singing is for you because for me it's like you know i first came to it through the ditch singing through the didgeridoo and then i remember it was like whoa this is like powerful just to sing and have your voice like just be like you know through the day just like you know come through really powerfully strong like that because you're buzzing your lips at the same time you're singing and then after that you know it's like okay i'm just gonna open my mouth and sing normally and then just you know finding like just catharsis and power and it, it was kind of a funny thing because i was like how come no one really ever told me that it's like we would sing in you know middle school like choir or something but the experience was not quite the same i'm just curious like what uh what you can share just about your own how singing connects to you to like your spiritual practice and that sort of thing because for me it's like at the most fundamental core of it well for sure it's <clears throat> it's 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 basically the form of my meditation and it's funny it seems to me that i'm I'm a little addicted to it because yeah. if I don't do it, I get withdraw with withdrawals. Yep. I, I I really feel I feel my throat, kind of just closing in, and I feel like shit, and I feel bad, and uh, and then I sing and I feel good again, uh -huh. and it's like <laughs> a really strong difference uh, if I if I don't use my voice, 
because I, I might, you know, I might get in in a point where like for a week I don't talk so much to anyone. I'm just at home. I don't right. sing. I don't use my voice and, and really feel like my being just closing up. And uh, I've been thinking like um, like there's all kinds of different techniques for meditation and 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 like meditation is a lot of the time just kind of you're just trying to be there be in the now be present mm -hmm. be in your be be in your body be in your being and um to me like overtone singing throat singing too but overtone singing even more as it's like so accessible and so kind of more more kind of more gentle more easy yeah to do uh is a really good form for me for meditation because there, 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 there's a lot of things that come together. That comes breathing, because you know you breathe short, take short inhales, but then a long sustained uh, exhale when you're making the sound. So that is very calming. There is the vagus nerve stimulation going on, and then also when you play with the overtones, when you create the strong harmonic this is a this is a this is a funny hypothesis that i that i have that i'm kind of uh throwing out there is that you know when you have like a like white noise or you know this noise this kind of where the where the well noise basically is just sound where it's sound that is distributed equally along the spectrum of frequencies so there is not not a single frequency that kind of stands out it's just this whoosh, or when you have like a like a shakapa or like a rattle yeah it's basically a white noise or it's a noise generator in a yeah. way rhythmic noise generator but then when you're like a waterfall it's just this whoosh, just this overwhelming overwhelming uh kind of washing over you type of a thing and there's no space for any other sound it's just it just fills fills it up uh which can be really like soothing in a way it can be like washing it feels to me like it's like washing washing but then overtone singing it's kind of the opposite in a way like there is like a single frequency that kind of stands out mm -hmm. and it doesn't occupy the space like like uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of hard in this like remote setting but if we would be sitting right across the table in real life you would hear the difference like very big like big time if i would do and i'm snapping my fingers at the same time when i'm doing that and then I'm then you hear the snapping of the fingers uh, because there's a lot of a big part of the frequency spectrum it's not uh, taking over so when I'm meditating and doing overtone singing I feel like the overtone is somehow like this kind of central pillar that holds together this kind of a dome that is formed in in 
it's, it's a little abstract, but like the the as a as a as a sensation within me when I do it, I feel like I enter this kind of a dome. And then there is the, the, the central pillar, which is the overtone. And it somehow, like, it focuses my attention, it focuses my being, but also it creates, it, 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 it creates space for my being also to expand, even though it's very focused, but it's still there's, it can expand. Yes. I, you get I think that's, a, as, as, as a, uh, also a throat singer, I... That last bit, I, I definitely can agree with the idea of it. it's like you're you're in, intensely focused, right? I mean, yes. Like to hold it and like it's an intense focus, yeah. But like it's such a expansive, like you're just moving out and up and up, and like the energy moving through the system is like in ineffable. You know, to use the word you've, we've kind of been throwing around here a lot. It's definitely like a completely transformative practice throat singing in and of itself I, I find that like you know if you're ever just not having a good day it's some simple going like you just feel a lot better <laughs> yeah there's a lot there's a lot going on it's very, very engaging physically which helps forming yeah. the focus but also just the the frequency is very f focusing uh, engaging and also when you get down nitty-gritty nerdy uh, with the with the <laughs> with the physics of sound uh -huh. with the science of sound like it's a perfect it's like ge geometry like this kind of uh, geometry that is hard-coded into the existence because like uh, there is this concept of um, equal temperament that all Western music is basically uh, built around this equal temperament where everything is a little bit of a little bit out of tune because of a compromise that makes it easier for us to play from different in different keys. Whereas uh, the overtones are perfectly in tune, like mm. the perfect fifth with a piano is not perfect. Is out of tune. They call it the perfect fifth, but it's not perfect. Is a is a couple of is a couple of uh, hertzes out of out of tune, I think. Hmm. But then, when you do the perfect fifth using the 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 harmonics of the overtone of overtone singing, that's perfect. That's hard coded into the hmm. fabric of existence. Hmm. I did not know that. I'm, I'm so yeah yeah. So that's also something that I think might have something to do with why it's so enchanting. Ah, uh, okay, right, because, right. It's, you know, like we are enchanted it. of geometry in people's face faces, yeah. like how people's faces constructed, or and and these kinds of patterns in nature, and also it's very much present there in overtone singing because, like I said, it's oh. hard coded into the fabric of existence. These intervals. Interesting. I didn't know. That's a that's a great way to put that. That it's 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 connecting you back to that place of like the perfection. That's what's happening. Yeah. Cool. I have one last question for you. All right. Uh, if you just had like you know, it's, it's one of the, one of those like epic questions because 
what what is kind of what's like what's your message to people at this moment uh where we are all ex- have experienced some tremendous up roar uh, not not the right word it's a, a tremendous like eruption of our normal lives and what we perceive to be normal and we've been forced every single one of us in some level coerced into uh circumstances that were not exactly what we wanted and having everything change and there's really isn't a clear sense of things ever going back to normal uh not that that was something that we needed to have happen but like what is what what have you personally derived as an artist as a musician as someone connected with these ancient traditions and all the things that you shared from this experience of covid and the pandemic and your meditations and you also like you know your the knowledge that you hold from your experiences of the ineffable like what would you what is your takeaway what is the message to people it's a good reminder the situation that we cannot really take our existence for granted like we've been living like a lot of us uh, many many of us have been living in 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 relative luxury mm-hmm. and because like humans are this animal that gets used to situations and things and uh, standards of living so you know the baseline rises with us so <laughs> then we start to take things for granted so i think like it's a that's why like i think learning history is important because you know it helps putting things back in perspective so i think that is an important thing to 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 humble yourself and to kind of remind yourself that even even if you are special and even if you are unique you're not that special or unique <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and uh and really like i think one of the really important things is this kind of shift in perception of how we how we exist in the world because you know we are li- we we have been living in this dream of individualism and 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 consumerism and all this sort of stuff like we have this a lot of us feel uprooted in a way or like we lack roots and 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 we feel like we are born into this world and we say we are born into this world that's how we say it we don't say we are born out of this world or from this world because that's how we are that's how that's how we are born like all the building blocks our composite atoms have been around for mm-hmm. ages and right. we are just like we are like a like a lego toy being yep. constructed like as a as a kind of a temporary being and then we die and then the lego blocks go back in the box and they build new things uh-huh. out of it and that, like this shift in perspective in, in perspective seems something that really we need to fix because we know that shit's fucked up we know the that the environment and we know that blah 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 all this stuff we right. know it we have the data we have the information but because we lack connection to it we lack the embodied connection to it and also we lack like the yeah we uh, yeah we lack connection to it it's just something you see in the newspaper yeah yeah and 
but it's changing like and, yeah. and 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 this is also a message like there's a lot of stuff wrong in the world but there are so many things that we have come so far like when it comes to human rights and mm-hmm. and all 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 sorts of things like so many beautiful things going on in the world of course there's always going to be issues to be solved but let's once in a while instead of you know going from problem to problem to problem to problem let's remember to acknowledge and pay homage to all the development that we have already done and all the all the shadow work that we've already gone through gratitude towards things yeah yeah it's important to 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 pay respect to that because you know if it's just a constant uphill struggle and you never stop to smell the flowers it's uh-huh. gonna suck you know? uh-huh definitely <laughs> <laughs> i like that <laughs> definitely thank you i think that's i think that is that's important thing to reflect on this you know it's like I, the way i'm kind of seeing is it's like covid for a lot of people it was like all these like theoretical things that are supposed to happen it was kind of like oh, like shit actually just hit the fan for a lot of people. It's like, oh, here it is. If you were just reading about it or you just, you know, someone told you about a dinner conversation, okay, here's like the effects of like, you know, society gone wrong on some levels. So it's it's a good wake-up call in that respect. And it's a general rehearsal for yes. us to get our shit together, like yep. for I've real. I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard other people use that exact phrase, like it's a rehearsal you know get re- like get ready so it's like w- this is one of a series of events that are about to occur for us to like reconfigure our relationship with everything so cool man thank you so much for coming on here and talking with me hey thanks for the invite always always a pleasure always a pleasure to talk with you yeah hang hang on after we end the recording just so you know that and yeah. The other thing I want to say is just, uh, yeah, thank you for the epic music that you create and the connection for all the stuff you're doing with all the different cultures that you work with and you're and you're being able to bring it to people. It's really epic. Uh, I hope that everyone who listens to this podcast gets a chance to check out your music because it's just phenomenal. And I'm excited to see where you keep taking things and I hope to see you soon. Ho- come visit New York again anytime. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll make my 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 throat singing lessons available on my web shop. So if you if you guys are interested in in getting private lessons from me, it's very very possible. Awesome. We'll we'll put a link for that too. And uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in. And I'll catch you soon, Miko. Yeah. Right, peace, brother. It's a pleasure. Ooh.